think if we were honest today, we would say, a lot of us would say that we're holding on to two different things. We're holding on to God with one hand, we're holding on to our past with the other hand. We're holding on to good and bad, and according to Scripture, that's not very wise. Um, Years ago, I read a story, actually a a test that was done with these horses, and and I don't remember all of the details, but here here was the basic. They tested uh, just a regular horse out how many pounds it could pull on this trailer. And uh, one horse was able to pull 4,500 pounds, and another horse was able to pull 6,500 pounds. And so if you, were just, uh, you know, if you were just doing the math, how many pounds do you think both horses together could pull? You think you add it, right? 11,000 pounds, okay. In reality, when they hooked both horses up, they found out that they could pull 22,000 pounds when they worked together. And so I I picked this video today to kind of remind us that we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. And when some of us are holding on to the world and holding on to God, we're not being effective team members. We're not good body members of the body of Christ. And when, when you're not doing your part and someone else has to do your part, they're carrying more weight than you are, and we need to work together. Because when we get this thing right, the local church, there is nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. And, and you're going to hear more in the weeks ahead about this, but you know, one of the things that, that I'm very pleased with, with our church, what's going on, is we've got this single uh, mom's ministry that, that we're doing, and, and more and more people are getting involved in this, and, and um, it's, I think this is going to explode. There's, there's no telling what all is going to happen. We, we have an application process if you're a single mom, and you need something, you put it on there, whether it's clothes, or you need uh, help fixing something up at your house, or if you need a car repaired, or you need uh, air conditioning repair, any of those things, small engine repair, we We've got all of these folks who are stepping up saying, I want to be a part of that ministry. And, and that's the local church when the local church is working right. Because where, where should a single mom be able to go? She should be able to go to her church and say, I need help. And, and folks should step up and say, we will help you. And so lots of stuff is going to be happening in, in two weeks from today. We're going to have a ministry fair out here in the living room. And every ministry in the church, from men's Bible study to women's Bible study to everything that's going on in the children's ministry to the uh, uh, single mom's ministry, all of these things are going to have tables out here. And there are going to be some people at those tables. You can ask questions about those ministries, and there'll be a little synopsis you can take that day, and you can read about it. And what we're hoping you will do is that, you'll, that, that God will somehow spark an interest in your heart or in your mind, and you'll say, I think I need to try that one. And you'll just get involved somewhere. Now, this is real important because uh, we're studying spiritual gifts, and we're talking about how each person is gifted. And I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 12.1, and notice what it says. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and he says, Now, about spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, that doesn't mean dumb or stupid. It just means you do not know about them, and most churches do not know about spiritual gifts. Many people um, think all kinds of crazy things. And there's a lot of garbage out there about spiritual gifts. We're going to try to get through some of this stuff and clear up some of the the smoke that's out there. We're convinced that one of the primary ways that you find your spiritual gift is to get involved in a ministry. Um, And so we're going to just talk about this, and I'm going to define it, and we're going to give you some opportunities to serve in the weeks ahead. What is a spiritual gift? It is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at their conversion. Conversion means when you step across the line of faith, when you bow your heart and your, your head to, to Christ, and you say, you're great, I'm not, I need you to forgive my sins. That's what conversion is. So it's a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at their conversion to be used to minister to others and build up the body of Christ. Now, let's fly through ten truths about spiritual gifts that you need to understand. First of all, is only believers have spiritual gifts. 
And, and we don't do this very often. We rarely talk about a subject that non-Christians can't relate to because we want this service to be something that anybody at any stage of their development uh, or their, their walk towards Christ can come and hear a message. This is one of the few times that we'll focus on something that is solely for believers, hoping that, that uh, non-believers will understand and they'll cross the line of faith and they'll, they'll have their gift given to them. Second, every Christian has at least one gift. So do not think that you are not gifted. God says you have at least one gift. Third, no one receives all the gifts. God does not want any one person to have all the gifts because then they wouldn't need the body of Christ. God wants us. He designed the church to be interdependent. Not independent, not dependent, interdependent, meaning you and I need each other. Our church is not complete if I'm not using my gift, but it's also not complete if you're not using your gift. And God wants us to be connected in a way that everybody says there must be a God at that church because those people who are from all kinds of different backgrounds, different skin colors, different economic backgrounds, different educational backgrounds are coming together working for a common goal. That's unheard of in our world. Unfortunately, it's unheard of in our churches, and it's why a lot of people are turned away from church. If we get it right, then we bring glory to God, and people will want to come and be a part of that. Um, Number four, no single gift is given to everyone. God wants variety, so nobody has all gifts. Um, Everybody has at least one. Number five, you can't earn a spiritual gift. That's a contradiction in terms. A gift is a gift. It's something God gives you, not what you've earned or worked for. Like salvation. Salvation is a free gift. Number six, the Holy Spirit decides what gifts I get. Now, you can say, well, I want teaching, I want mercy, I want whatever. You don't get to put in your request. It's not like you go to Denny's and you, you give the waitress your order. No, you don't do that. God says, I created you, I made you for a purpose, and then when you come to Christ, he gives you a gift so that you can use that in the body of Christ. Number seven, the gifts I'm given are permanent. It does not mean that you discover them and use them. They can lie dormant your whole uh, spiritual life, the whole time you are a Christian, if you do not discover them, if you do not use them. You're given for life. It never in the Scripture does it say you're taken, that the spiritual gift is taken away from you. Now, it's like a muscle. It needs to be developed, and that's actually number eight. I am to develop the gifts that God gives me. When you're given a gift, especially you know if you come to Christ at an early age, it's in seed form. And actually, it doesn't matter what age you are chronologically, physically, when you come to Christ, you are a spiritual baby. God deposits His Holy Spirit in you. When the Holy Spirit comes in, He brings a gift. That gift is in seed form. You need to discover it, and it's like a muscle. As you use it, it grows, and you get better at it. One of the gifts God has given me is the gift of exhortation. Exhortation means that I like, I get energy when I study God's word, and then when I present that to people, and then I say, what about you? And I try to clearly present it and say, if you want to follow God, here is the, road, uh, the pathway to go. You need to get on that road. So exhortation is trying to stir people up to follow God with all of their heart. And the more I use that gift, the better I get at it. Uh, Number nine, it is a sin to waste the gifts God gave me. And number ten, using my gifts glorifies God and helps me grow. Now, there are two purposes for spiritual gifts. Number one is to benefit others. Very, very important. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. Each one of you as a good manager, so that means you, you don't even own it, you're just given to it, it's someone else's power, you are to manage your spiritual gifts. Each one of you as a good manager of God's different gifts must use for the good of others, um, and so recognize that, the good of others, the spiritual gift he has received from God. 1 Corinthians twelve seven. 
The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Contrary to what a lot of people believe, when you're given a spiritual gift, it is not for you. It is not designed to bring you glory. If you ever use your spiritual gift to bring you glory, then that is something God will not share with you. The one thing God will never give you is his glory. He will not share his glory with you. And and a spiritual gift is designed by God to be used in the church to glorify God and to lift up others. Well, there's a second purpose for spiritual gifts, to produce maturity and stability in our church family. Look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. It was he, meaning God, or the Holy Spirit, who gave gifts to men to build up the body of Christ so that we shall all come together to that oneness in our faith and become mature. Then we shall no longer be children carried by the waves and blown about by every shifting wind. Probably most of you know at least one Christian who started out on the path towards God. They started out doing what's right, and then they fell away and got into some really weird teaching. They got into some type of of messed up um, theology or even a cult. Anybody know someone like that? I've seen people through the years. You know why that happens? More than likely, it's because a group of believers were not using their spiritual gifts because when we all use our gifts, we build each other up, we all come to maturity, and the church brings glory and honor to God. So that's, those are the purpose, to benefit others, to produce maturity and stability in the church. And in fact, there is no teaching in Scripture about you using your spiritual gift outside of the church. It was given to build up the body of Christ. And so you can use your spiritual gift in an unspiritual way. You don't give glory to God. You give glory to his enemy, which we will call the unholy spirit or Satan. All right, very quickly, some cautions about spiritual gifts before we unpack these that, about communicating God's word. Don't confuse gifts with natural talent. Someone might say, well, I have, my gift is sales. Well, that's a talent. That's a vocational ability, but that's not a spiritual gift. Those two things are different. Number two, don't confuse gifts with the fruit of the spirit. Spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Spirit are not the same thing. The gifts of the Spirit are different. The fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians 5, and 23, and it says, um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you ever want to learn the little song, I can teach you a song. You'll never, ever forget those uh, fruits of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit demonstrates your maturity in Christ. The spiritual gift or the gifts of the Spirit demonstrate your ministry or show where you're supposed to serve. They are very, very different. You can have a spiritual gift and be spiritually immature, not show the fruit of the Spirit. What we want is everybody to grow up and produce all of the fruit of the Spirit and exercise their spiritual gifts so that God is glorified and the church is built up. Number three, don't confuse gifts with Christian roles. This is, this is a big deal. For instance, um, shepherding or pastoring is a spiritual gift. It is the ability to care for the spiritual needs of other people. The gift of pastoring is different from the role of being a pastor in a church. I happen to have the role of being a pastor, but I do not have the gift of pastoring or shepherding. Actually, my wife has a better uh, gift of shepherding than I do, dealing with people one-on-one, caring for people one-on-one. I have the spiritual gift of leadership. I've got the spiritual gift of exhortation, and I think I have the gift of teaching. Those are my gifts, not pastoring. I just happen to have the role of pastor. You see the difference? There's a role. So you can can have the spiritual gift of pastoring or shepherding a group and not be a pastor in a church. You can be a shepherd or a pastor of a small group or a, a ladies' Bible study, a men's Bible study. You can have that gift and not have the role of, of being that being your job or your vocation. Number four... 
be aware of projecting gift projection tendencies, or this is this is an unholy use of spiritual gifts as well. Uh, this causes a lot of difficulty in the church. Let me give you an example. Let's say that that you uh, somebody in your group has um, the gift of mercy. A person who has the gift of mercy expects everybody to be just as merciful as they are, and they can't understand when you're not. And so somebody with the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, they're the truth tellers, they're the confronters. This is wrong, this is wrong, that's sin, that's sin. You get prophecy people and mercy people in the same small group, sparks are going to fly because the mercy people say, you just don't have any heart for anybody. And the prophecy people say, wake up, it's wrong. You know, and so all these sparks start to fly because they think everybody should think like them. Instead of realizing we're all parts of the body, we have different spiritual gifts. So the prophecy people should learn to pay attention to the mercy people. I'm married to a mercy person. There's a spoken gift of mercy. That's when you go into a hospital and you, have the right thing, you know the right thing to say. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to venture out here and say most of you don't have that gift. Right? Janie doesn't have the spoken gift of mercy. She has the unspoken gift of mercy. And we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks. But hers is, she's a listener. When she used to teach um, at Mansfield High School, she was a home economics teacher. And, you know, I've told you this before, but she would come home and she'd say, man, there's this drug dealer in my, in my class. I think he's going to kill me before the end of the week. And then a couple of weeks later, she would come home. She'd go, guess who stopped by my office today? And I, and I would say, the drug dealer. And she goes, yeah, how'd you know? And she said, he just poured out his heart to me, came in my office for an hour, told me everything he's ever, ever done, all the problems he has in his family. And I just, I just sat there. She goes, why do people do that? And I said, because you have this, this, un, this thing stamped on your forehead that says, I will listen. I'm the type of person that I can listen. And she makes people feel better just because she listens to them. So that's, you need to understand your gift, but do not expect everybody else to have your gift. Uh, my sister was one of those truth tellers, and, and truth tellers need to learn that the scripture says, speak the truth in love. And, and if you ever have to say, now I'm telling you this in love, no you're not, just shut up and go home. Because you are not telling, I mean, I will be able to tell. I'm pretty sharp, I'm pretty quick. So you don't have to come up and say, I'm just telling you this because I love you. One lady said she had the spiritual gift of, of criticism. That is not a spiritual gift. All right? Um, I'm sorry. That is an unspiritual gift. No matter how much you say, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. Other people, um, some of you are going to have the gift of evangelism. Some of you don't even know this. You're going to discover this through this whole process. But I know people that can go get on a plane, and there can be 300 people they've never seen on a plane before, and half of them will come to Christ before they land. You can fly from Dallas to Amarillo. It's only an hour, and half the people are crying and, and praising God that they now found him. I don't have that gift. Now, I, I can talk to people, and I love when people have questions um, years ago, before we started this church, I was working, and, and, and this guy found out that I was a preacher. Well, I wasn't preaching. I was sweeping floors, and every day he'd say, he'd go, hey, man, what about this? And he would ask me these questions, and, and we would, we'd actually get in trouble because we'd start to talk, and I'm like, man, i got to get back to work. you got to get back to work. And he'd come find me every day, and he'd say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? That's one of my gifts. I love discovering and leading people to... to how to answer all of their questions, maybe not all of their questions, but a lot of their questions about Christ and help them to see that Christianity is a thinking man's religion, one of my gifts. But I can't expect everybody to have that gift. That's when it becomes unholy, when you expect everybody else to be like you. Number five, don't feel that my gift makes me superior to others. We just covered that. Number six, realizing that my gifts without love is worthless. It's no accident 
And if you want to just get a, a basic understanding of spiritual gifts, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's not an accident that chapter 12 is all about spiritual gifts, chapter 14 is all about spiritual gifts, and right in the middle of it, chapter 13 is about love. Because Paul says, if you do not have love, your spiritual gift does not count in the kingdom of God. If you try to exercise your spiritual gift to bring you glory, God says, I don't want that. If you try to exercise your gift in a way that doesn't love the other person, God says, I don't want that. He says, you're like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And so all of this drowns out what you're trying to say because people know you don't love them. So your spiritual gift is worthless if you don't have the right attitude when you use it. Paul said, I may be able to speak with the tongues of angels. He said, and Paul even said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He said, but I would rather say just a few intelligible words, understandable words in a crowd, because then everybody can, get, can understand and glorify God. Number seven, recognize I have a primary and a secondary ministry. We're going to fly through this. Primary ministry commitment should be in the area where you're gifted. Your primary ministry should be in the area where you're gifted. Your secondary ministry, wherever you are needed. Right? So you don't get to say, well, I don't have that gift, so I'm not going to serve there. When you drive home today, if somebody falls over in the ditch in their car, you don't say, oh, I don't have the gift of mercy. Call Janie. She'll listen. You don't get to do that because at that moment you become God's primary mercy agent in that situation. If we need help moving chairs, sorry, don't have the gift of service, get your butt out there and move some chairs. I mean, we do what we have to do because in certain situations God has called you and He will give you what you need in that situation to meet a need. Sometimes I think He's just trying to see if, if you'll be a servant. Because to be great in the kingdom of God, he says, you got to serve. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. We went to the promise just a couple of weeks ago and saw the scene where, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And the disciples were astonished. None of them were going to wash anybody else's feet because that was beneath their position. And God's son got down on his knees and washed their feet. And he says, you, and, and he told them, I've given you a lesson that you need to follow. Now, I'm not saying we all pull off our shoes and do that. I've washed people's feet. I've been in those ceremonies. And, and, and that's, that's cool. But what it really means is, do for somebody else. Just because. Not because you want something. Not because you will be noticed. Just because. Be a servant. So wherever you're needed, God expects you to serve. All right, now how to discover your spiritual gifts. There's a little acrostic I put on your listening guide. First is study. I've got a little book here, and you might write down the title. If you want to, to, a quick read on how to discover your spiritual gifts, this is by Bruce Bugby. It's called What You Do Best in the Body of Christ. Now, in, in at least two or three of our small groups, we're going to study network. And, and it's, it's all about your spiritual gifts. It's by the same guy, Bruce Bugby. And so if you go to small groups, you're going you're gonna to see a video and you're going to have some worksheets that you go through, things like that. We're going to study this for about six to eight weeks. And at the end of that, you should have a really good handle on at least the direction God is plugging you into ministry. But this is a great little book. So you need to study. You need to do some things on your own. Number two is trial, or the T is trial and error. Study, get books and read them. Okay, hang on. Everybody look up here. 
don't just go out and buy any book on spiritual gifts. There's a lot of trash out there. And I'm not saying I know all of it, but I can steer you clear of some stuff that will really confuse you. So if you see a book and you want to buy it, just text me, email me. I'll let you know if, if, if they're conservative in their theology or not. That's, let's just put it that way. This guy, I've gone through his stuff, love his stuff. So anything Bruce Bugby writes, I would recommend. Trial and error, this is more important than the study part. It is easier to find your ministry through serving than to find your ministry through studying. Head knowledge is not going to do jack for you because you're going to see when we get into the spiritual gifts that there's no exhaustive list. Every list in the scripture is different from the other list. And, and there's a very casual approach to how they're listed. So that tells me, I don't think we have one single exhaustive list in Scripture. There's some things in the Old Testament that aren't mentioned in the New Testament. Like I told you, craftsmanship. Very clearly, God says, I designed this man so that he could design these things that go in the tabernacle that will bring glory and honor to me. So there are some, there, there's not an exhaustive list, so you need to get busy um, studying. So we want you, I mean, to trying, not just studying. We want you to, to try five or 10 or 20, however ministries you need to try to find your niche at new life. We want to give you the freedom to do that. But, but here's the other caution. At least give it a month. Don't go back to one class and say, oh, this class is horrible. I'll never go in there again. Because maybe, maybe something was jacked up that day. Maybe you were jacked up that day and you just weren't ready to hear what God was saying. Give something a month. If you go to a small group, stay in one small group at least a month. And then if you still think everybody's jacked up, go to another small group. And I'm just going to tell you, every small group is jacked up. All right? There's just one that just kind of you fit in because you are just as jacked up. You know, you're on the same level of jacked upness. I don't know how you say that. Um, but try different small groups. It's okay. And the leaders, we're, we're not doing this for our own glory. And so if you come to my small group and you say, I don't want to be with the pastor, go somewhere else. You go to somebody else's small group and, and you don't fit there, try another one. Uh, R, request opinions from others. Okay. Now, listen, please. Request opinions from people that you respect their walk with Christ. Don't go out to a non-Christian. Don't go out to somebody who's, who's a Christian in name only. And say, what do you think my spiritual gift is? Because what kind of, what kind of, how in tune are they with the Father? Not. So how can they give you wise counsel? You find somebody that, you, that knows you a little bit, who you respect their walk with Christ, and you say, what do you think my gift is? And, and see, here's the deal. The church will affirm your gift. If, if you try to teach a class, and, and the class goes from 10 to 0 in four weeks... You're probably the problem. Okay? And that's okay. We won't ask you to teach again. But we do want to find... Because there's no such thing as one gift is superior to another. They all come from God. They all give glory to God. So we're not going to compare that. But if you don't have the gift of teaching, it's painful for you and it's painful for the class. So we want to get somebody else in there. But here's why we don't elect leaders at New Life Community Church. You can have an election and you can get sorry leaders. If you're a leader, everybody is going to recognize that. If they come to your small group and you're not a leader, they're going to recognize that as well. If they come to your small group, it's very easy to determine who has the gift of leadership because they'll step forward. Nobody says, hey, I vote on him. He's the leader. Let's all... Because usually the leaders are the ones that go, let somebody else lead. Vote on him. Don't vote on me. 
But leaders are just going to rise to the top and they're going to be affirmed and people are going to be following. There's an old proverb that says, he who thinks he's leading but has no one following is only taking a walk. And so we don't need leaders taking walks. We need leaders who have the gift of leadership to lead. Uh, and, and T, the last one, is take training. So you study, trial and error, analyze, request opinions for others, take training. Um, and, and one of the things that we're offering that is specifically for you is the network training in our small groups. And so if you want to get involved in that, get hooked up in a small group. Now, to, last week we handed out these things called shape sheets. I went through all of the, your shaped by God spiritual gifts, heart, or passion, abilities, personality, and experiences. You need to fill one of these out. In fact, at our small group tonight, I know at Joe, at his small group, we're going we're gonna to be talking through these things um, because you need to understand all of this stuff to best figure out where you fit in the body of Christ. And so training, this is going to be some training in small groups. This is going to be some training. You can do some on your own. But let me tell you three, three ways that God wants you to use your spiritual gift. Um, one is through an ongoing ministry on a weekly or a bi-weekly basis. God wants you to be involved regularly in some ministry somehow. Number two, through short-term projects, like when we go to Haiti or when we do um, Love Your Neighborhood, when we go to Reagan Park here in a few weeks and, and uh, we're going to have a barbecue or we're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs here and then we're going to go and we're just going to spread out like locusts in the, the area from, uh, I think it's from Crockett Road to Magnolia and, and Reagan down to Angelina. I may be making that up. Um, somewhere in there... Chad and I went and drove through there. There's so much stuff that needs to be done in that area. There are trees that are falling over that we want to chop up. There's, there's vacant lots that we just want to go in and, and totally clean them up so that they look pristine. And people come ask us why. We're just going to say, God loves us, and we just want to share the love of Christ with our neighborhoods. We're just going to start doing some things like this. When we go out there, that's a short-term project from 1 to 5 on November 10th after church that day. That is not a hard thing to do. God wants you to be involved in that. And, and I'm going to tell you that when you, when you finish that day, everybody who does one of our Be the Church things. We went to uh, Greens Park last year, and two or three years ago we went to Eula's house and kind of fanned out around there. Everybody comes back saying, we need to do more of that. Because it just feels good to serve for no other reason than we're worshiping God with our lives. We're worshiping God outside by doing something. And then through spontaneous situations. People are going to have you're going to have opportunities. People are going to come across your path, and God is checking. He's testing to see if you will be willing to, to say a kind word, to, to maybe meet a need. God's looking to see if you'll pay attention to little interruptions in your day. Many times, interruptions are divine appointments from God, and we need to look at them that way. Um, so you're going to discover your gift through ministry, not your ministry through your gift. You understand the difference? You may have all the knowledge about gifts, but you're not going to understand until you actually start putting it into practice. So, unwrapping my gifts. I uh, told you the Bible doesn't lock us into any restrictions about all the gifts. But here, if you want to read about spiritual gifts, here are the four main passages. First Corinthians, uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Now, there's other things in Scripture, maybe isolated uh, verses here and there that mention some, some uh, gifts, but those are the main passages that we talk about. And I think there's, there's anywhere from 21 to the 30 gifts, depending on how you interpret things, because like one says pastor, teacher, and so some people gift those two things together. Some people make it two different gifts. It just depends on how you gift them. If you want to read about it and get some background, that's where you go. Um, so we believe that... that these, these are examples of the gifts. They're not every exhaustive list of gifts. 
Um, so, okay, here are some gifts that communicate God's Word. Here's what we're going to do as we go through the spiritual gifts. You're going you're to listen to the description of it, and then you're going to answer one of three ways about that. So that's why I put them down there on your listening guide. The first one is preaching. When I get finished describing it, you're going to answer, yes, I probably have that gift, or would you say pretty sure? You're going to say, maybe I have that gift, or you're going to say, nope, don't have that one. All right? So that's how we're going to begin evaluating this. And you're not going to know for sure until you start working on it. So, all right, preaching. Preaching is also called prophecy. The ability to publicly communicate God's word in an inspired way that convinces both believers and unbelievers and it challenges believers uh, and comforts believers. So, convinces unbelievers, challenges and comforts believers. And, and 1 Corinthians 14.3 says that prophecy does three things. I didn't put it on the screen, but here's what it says. It says that true prophecy builds up, fires up, and holds up. Those are the three, three things that the gift of preaching or the gift of prophecy should do. It should build up, fire up, or hold up. So what that means is if you think about, if you follow my messages on Sunday morning, I try to give you a balance of those things. Some of my messages are just to build you up. Some of them are just to, to comfort you and build you up. Some of them I come and I challenge you, and you should walk out of here going, Ow! That hurt. That's to fire up. And, and there's others that, that, uh, that, that challenge you to be a better person or to reconcile relationships. There's a balance of all three of those things. When people who have this gift speak, God's blessing is obvious. They help us recognize what God's doing in the world and a real important thing. Their life... Here, here you go. Someone who has the gift of prophecy or preaching, their life should be consistent with their message. If it's not, do not listen to their teaching. That's a false prophet. In the Old Testament, you have to understand, I've been doing this a long time, been in a lot of Baptist churches, and, and had a lot of conflict in churches. And um, there would be men who would come up and they would make predictions about something. If you do this, this. If you do this, this. And, and I finally went to my pastor, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, and I said, that man's a false prophet. And he goes, you need to be careful about that. And I said, according to the Old Testament... If a man makes a prediction that does not come true, he is a false prophet. And the scripture says, do not listen to him and do not be afraid of him because he is a false prophet. You got to be real careful to proclaim this is what the Lord says. Because if God doesn't do that, then you are a false prophet and you are in opposition to God. Now, evaluate whether you have this gift. <laughs> No, no, don't want it. I'm pretty sure I have it. Maybe or nope. All right, evangelism. Evangelism is the ability to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ to unbelievers in a positive, non-threatening way. It's the ability to sense opportunities to share Christ and lead people to respond with faith. These people who have the gift of evangelism, they just always seem to be aware of spiritual conversations, and they'll make spiritual conversations when they're not even there. And if somebody asks a question about Christ, they immediately think, they're, God's working in their life. I need to lead them to Jesus. And so they'll, they'll begin to uh, tell them ways that they can come to Christ, and they'll think, I should do this right now. And they just have this knack of turning all conversations to Jesus. Now, this gift can be used in many ways, and I think a lot of you may have this gift and you don't even realize it. Some of you have the gift of evangelism, but you're an introvert, and God's not going to make you get up in front of a crowd of people, or he's not going to make you go knocking on doors. I hate 
knocking on doors of people that I don't know. I hate when people knock on my door that I don't know. I mean, so God's not going to ask you to do something that's contrary to how he shaped you. But he is going to develop that gift, and you're going to become this this soul-winning machine, and you may do it one-on-one. You may never stand up in front of a crowd and share, but you may be that person that, that just loves people into the kingdom of God, and before you know it, you've led 10, 20, 50 people to Christ in your lifetime because you have this gift. We're going to help you discover that. Um, and... You got to do things that are consistent with your personality. And we're going to teach you when we get to our 401 class. Hadn't even taught our 401 class. 101 is discovering church membership. 201 is discovering maturity, how to grow up in Christ. 301, I'm actually teaching you 301. That's what I've been doing these these, uh, seven weeks that we're going through this shape. We're teaching you the 301 class, which is discovering your spiritual gift. And then the 401 class is my mission in the world, how I take what God has given me and and I expand that to other places in the world. All right, so... Uh, some of you have this gift, don't know it, so evaluate yourself. Pretty sure I have it. Maybe I have it. Nope. Missions. The ability to, to adapt to different cultures in order to reach unbelievers and help believers from that culture. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says this. Paul was obviously a missionary. He started churches all over the place. He said, I become all things to all people that I may in some way save some. When I'm with the Jew, I become like the Jew in order to reach the Jew. When I'm with those outside the law, I become like those outside the law in order to reach them. I become all things to all men so that I may in some way save some. What this means is you don't become a chameleon where you act like other people. But what he was saying is when he's with Jewish people, he doesn't do anything that violates their law because that would offend them. Then they wouldn't listen to his message. When he goes to the Gentiles who know nothing of the laws of the Jews, he's not bound by those laws because we've been released. We, we live under grace, not under law. And so he, he is consistent, but what he does is, like, for example, when he went to the, the church in Athens and, and he saw that they discussed and debated all kinds of things, he goes down and sees all these statues to these gods, these mythical gods, and there's a statue to an unknown god. Paul goes, hey, I see you have a statue over here to an unknown god. I've met him. Let me tell you about him. His name's Jesus Christ. And he talks for a while, and then these guys, you know, I can see him with their long beards, and they said, we want to hear you further on this subject. Come back and let's talk some more. You know, so he, he, he adapted to cultures. So you take somebody who doesn't have this gift, and you send them to China, and that you, they have to eat sushi. Or, I was in, in Haiti just a few weeks ago preaching. What they fix, the people that they want to honor in Haiti is Goat. And so Pastor Samson's wife fixed me goat. And, it, and let me tell you, it was great. I was so sick the day I went over there. I had Montezuma's revenge to end all Montezuma's revenge. And I said, Lord, get me through the goat. And I ate that goat, and then I went and... Yeah. Um, it, was, it was excellent, but my stomach was so messed up. All this means is you're able to love a culture other than your own, and you're able to adapt to them. Some of you, God's just put this special place in your heart for for folks from Mexico, or from China, or from Haiti. Haiti, they're my people. I don't care what their skin color is. I have a connection with Haitians, and I told them I'll just keep coming back as long as God allows me to. Um, Got one of the coolest things in the mail this week. Guy I graduated with... um, Heard about my parents and my sister, and, and he actually sent a check to our church, to our Haiti fund, in the name of my, my mom and dad and my sister. 
I just, I got a little teary-eyed when I saw that, and I said, that is one of the greatest things you can do to honor my parents, is, is just build on, on this legacy that they've left behind. So, the, the missionary person, that you're able to adapt to, to other cultures. Yes, I'm pretty sure, maybe, nope. All right, last one. Apostle, the ability to start new churches and oversee their development. Paul said his ambition. Paul said, I don't want to preach Christ where anybody's heard the name of Christ. What he actually said was, I don't want to build on another man's foundation. So he went to places that never heard the name of Jesus. And he started churches all over the ancient world. And these, these are God's entrepreneurs. They're the ones that, that have a call from God and they say, I'm going to do this come hell or high water. These are the people who stand up and say, I don't care if nobody goes with me. This is what we're going to do. It's right and we're going to do it. They're entrepreneurs. Pretty sure I have this gift? Maybe? Nope. Now, we're going we're gonna to fly through a lot of stuff, and there's no way we can cover everything in church over these next two Sundays. But I just want to give you a taste, and I want to spur you on to do more study on your own and to get connected in a uh, small group. A couple of things. Small groups tonight at, at 5. Child care is here. If you're not in a small group, you want to be in one, see me right after church. I'll get you in one. Ladies' retreat's coming up, uh, and the ministry fair is the 27th. Where's Bethany? Any ladies who have signed up to go on the uh, ladies' retreat, see Hillary after church. She needs the sizes of your, for your T-shirt. All right, come on up here, Bethany. And by the way, anybody who's here um, supporting Bethany, you came to, for her baptism, would you uh, stand up? Hop in here, girlfriend. Just leave it back there. We're going to see how cold this is. We put it at the end because my heater wasn't turned on. How bad is it? Not bad. I've had worse. I baptized Hannah in the coldest water I've ever been in in my life. Um, she was six years old, and it was bad. Bethany came up to me a co- uh, several weeks ago, and she said, Hey, um, I've asked Christ in my life, and I want to be baptized. And what we do with children is we give them a book, and it's called Now That I'm a Christian. So she took that book home. She finished it. It gives them a firm foundation of, of the understanding of what a Christian is and what baptism is. And, and Bethany knows that baptism doesn't save her. What saved her was asking Christ to be the leader of her life and the forgiver of her sins. And you've done that, right? So the next step of obedience in becoming a, a uh, fully devoted Christ follower is to be baptized. And, and the baptism, the water, it's representative of her. When she goes under the water, she's identifying with the death of Christ. When she comes out of the water, she's identifying with the life of Christ. Because ours is the only religion in the world where the founder of our religion is not in the grave. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You've asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sin, the leader of your life. Yes. By the way, everybody say hi, Bethany. Hi, Bethany. Because you have, we're so excited for you, and I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Need to hold your nose? Bend your knees. Y'all didn't see it, but she did catch her breath just a little bit when she went under it. It's 80 degrees. It's normally 90, so it wasn't too bad. Thank you for your testimony. Um, one of the greatest things we do is right here. Because this represents another person is in the kingdom. Their eternity is set. But we don't ever want to leave people just 
at the starting point of Christianity. We want to help them grow up to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Let's stand and let's be dismissed.